Uh, Jonah chapter 1 is where we're going to be uh, today as we start our new series. We're going to focus on the whole chapter this morning, all 17 verses. Uh, the book of Jonah uh, is known uh, to uh, many, right, if you've been in church at any point in time, as a book talking about a dude that gets swallowed up by a, a giant whale, right, uh, is what I was taught. Um, right, uh, and the thought was, man, that, that's what the book's about. Man, Jonah, man, he gets thrown overboard and gets swallowed up by a giant whale. Well, we know, first and foremost, it wasn't necessarily a whale, it was a giant fish. And actually, that part of the story is just a small part of uh, the grander uh, part of this story. Right, this story is about a guy who ends up, right, going from being a fugitive, right, to a, a, a Christian fugitive, to a man that is able to play a feature part in one of the biggest revivals uh, that takes place in the Old Testament. God uses him even as a fugitive, right, to, uh, to be a part of one of the biggest revivals in all the Old Testament. The theme verse of the whole book is in Jonah 2.9 where it says salvation belongs to the Lord. Man, it's the Lord that saves. It's the one, he's the one that saves. It's not our good works. It's not, you know, all the stuff that we uh, have accomplished Right? Uh, we can't save anybody ourselves. It's the Lord God who saves. Salvation belongs to Him. And that's the theme verse here, and we'll see that as we continue on through uh, this series. But Jonah uh, chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. Uh, <clears throat> and if not, it's all right. We've got the verses on the screen here. We're going to read, uh, again, the whole uh, chapter here, and, uh, and we're going to uh, talk through as we read together. This is what the word of the Lord says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying this, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Any historians in the room? I'll just let you know it's about the 8th century B.C., Right, uh, we see uh, Jonah talked about in Second Kings chapter fourteen, verse twenty-five. Jeroboam the second is reigning at this time, right? And Nineveh is a place in the ancient Near East, right? Ruled by the Assyrian, and uh, you know it's the leading city of the Assyrian Empire, one of the most vicious, hateful empires in all of mankind, and one of the worst places ever, right? This is where Nineveh is, and this is where God is calling. Uh, Jonah to go. And this is what we see his response in verse 3. This is what it says. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's response was, you know what? Nineveh. To go to them? No, I'm good, God. I'm going to go literally the opposite way. Uh, many uh, theologians say Tarshish, right? The reason why he chose to go to Tarshish was it was literally the opposite direction, right? Furthest away from Nineveh in, in you know, that known time. He said, you know, I'm going to go totally away from where you're calling me, God, because I don't want anything to do with those Ninevites. Don't want anything to do with them. Then verse 4 says this, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his little G-God. 
And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. They figured, hey, maybe this can, you know, allow for us to get to shore. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Rise, call out to your God. I'll go ahead and translate in 21st century time. He's saying, bro, are you serious? What is, what do you mean you're sleeping right now? Man, wake up. We're about to die here, man. Call out to your God and maybe he'll save us. What are you doing? Sleep on this boat here. And it says this, perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Verse 7, and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Verse 11, And they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more more and more tempestuous. He said to them, "Pick Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know that it is because of me this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men tried to row harder to get back to dry land, but they couldn't, man, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, big uh, capital L's, L-O-R-D, Yahweh. O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea immediately ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord, worshipped him. It speaks to reverence, that word fear there. They feared him exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And then the last verse says this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. On the run. On the run. Can I be real with you this morning, Tyler Town? There may be many of you in here, right like Jonah, that are on the run. You're talking about Pastor Irv. Yeah, you're right. I did my cardio this morning. I'm not talking about that kind of run, right? I'm talking about being on the run from the Lord, running away from him. Let me encourage you today. Listen, don't be like Jonah. Man, instead of choosing to run from the Lord, choose to run toward him. On the run. Why don't we pray together? God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word, Lord. God, I pray in the house right now for those that uh, may be running from you, Lord. I pray that you would grab a hold of their heart uh, today, God. Pray for those of us who are maybe struggling with answering your call, whatever that looks like in our life. Maybe it's a call to lay something down. Maybe it's a call to step out in obedience, whatever that looks like, Lord, I pray that we would choose to be folks that instead of running from you, we choose to run toward you. Lord, pray that you'd meet us where we are right now. 
And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. Amen and amen. We see Jonah, man of Israel, right? A prophet called of God, called to go to this pagan city, Nineveh, man, to preach the gospel. And he ends up, man, running the opposite direction. Running the opposite direction. Choosing to do his own thing. We see a man on the run. And this morning, I want to highlight a couple of truths that we see here in Jonah 1. A couple of truths about Jonah, right? But also highlight a couple of truths that we see about God pertaining to uh, the beginning portion of this story of Jonah. Two truths for each. Two truths for each this morning I want to highlight. The first truth that we see here, right, pertaining to Jonah being one that was on the run, we see Jonah's obstinance. We see Jonah's obstinance, man. This dude literally ran the opposite direction of where God was leading him. Ran the opposite way. He chose to deliberately disobey the Lord. And rather than choose obedience, he chose to be obstinate. Another word for obstinance, right, is this, having a hard head. He had a hard head. And he chose, he said, I'm going to do my own thing, man. I'm going to do my own thing. You know, uh, Brother Dwayne, Brother Cliff, uh, you know, others in this room, y'all could probably relate to this. There was a saying, man, I remember hearing, a, you know, a long time ago pertaining to folks that have hard heads, kids that have hard heads. You probably know before, right? Kids with hard heads, right? A hard head makes for what? A soft behind. Soft behind. And listen, some of you think, what, what's that talking about? A hard head means that your behind's going to get wore out as a kid. That, that's what happened with me. Happened with me. And my mom, right, she, she obliged, you know, by that statement. I remember one time when I was a little kid, man, we went to uh, this, you know, little store uh, back in Texas called Sack and Save. You know, man, that, that, was, that was the store back in the day. Man, they ended up getting take, taken over by the monopoly that is Walmart. I'm not hating on Walmart. just is what it is. You know, Walmart just took over. I remember we went there one time, and I wanted some candy as a little kid. And so, you know, my mom said, no, you're not going to get any candy today. I said, man, I'm, I'm going to get some. And you're going to buy it for me, and, that, and that's that. And I remember grabbing it. And, you know, my mom said, put it back. I said, no. She said, put it back again. I said, okay. Threw it on the ground, started throwing a fit, started crying. And true story. She grabbed my hand, and she wore me out in the middle of the checkout line there at Second Save. Wore me out right there. She didn't play. She, fo- hey, she followed that thought, right? A hard head makes for a soft Behind. And maybe some of you in here, some of you parents in here, right? I mean, you, you've experienced that, right? You, you kids acting, you know, trying to act all, all wild. You, you wore them out in Jesus' name. <laughs> wore them out. Because of their disobedience, right? But it, it, it's their disobedience, right? That's what made their head hard. They chose to be disobedient. And in the same way, right, we see Jonah, man, as a, as a guy. Right, who chose to deliberately disobey God and go the opposite way of where God was calling him to go. We see a couple of truths regarding disobedience right here in this text today, right? Talking about being obstinate. And and, and listen, this is this may be where you are today. See a couple of truths regarding disobedience. Number one is this. Speaking of obstinance, man, hey, disobeying God. Disobedience, friends, it always leads down. It always leads down. Disobedience always leads down. It says here that Jonah, he went down, right, to the ship, right, to go down to Tarshish. He was going further and further away from the Lord, man. That'll preach if you let it. Choosing to disobey God, it always leads downward. Always leads down. 
It's always a downward spiral. One step of disobedience, man, it'll, it'll lead to a downward spiral. You say, Pastor Irv, what do you mean by that? Man, hey, that decision to not listen to the Lord, man, and, and, and step in and share the gospel with that person that God's calling you to share. That'll lead down to a life of saying, you know what, man, I'm not going to have any regard for the loss that's around me. Hey, th- that decision to neglect, man, being obedient to God, right, and, and, and shepherding your kids, being there for them, man, pouring in and investing in them, man, that, that's going to lead to a downward spiral of not caring anything about their life once they get to a teenager and beyond. It can lead down. That decision, man, to not take that step, here, oh, not to take that step of obedience, right, and give to that person in need will lead to a life, right, that, it, that consumes of you being a hoarder of your stuff instead of choosing to respond, man, and, and live life open-handed for him. Disobedience always leads down. It does. And so for those of us in here that are saying, man, I know God's speaking to me about something, but man, I, somebody else will take care of it. I don't have to listen to it. Listen, friend, disobedience, man, you choosing to ignore God's call for your life, it always leads down. You say, Pastor Herb, man, where's precedence for that? Man, I'm glad you asked. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. You probably remember the story. King David, man, undefeated, warrior, king. He was the man. Things were great. Hadn't lost a battle yet. And then look what it says in 2 Samuel 11, 1. It says that in the spring of the year, the times when kings go out to battle... David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. The kings were supposed to go out to battle, but David ended up staying in Jerusalem. Those of you who know anything about the Bible, you know what happens next. He sees a lady bathing on the rooftop. He ends up committing adultery, which ends up leading to murder. Which lends, ends up finding, he ends up finding himself in a mess. Hey friend, disobedience always leads down. And so man, choose not to ignore the spirit of the Lord. Instead, choose to respond to him. Disobedience not only always leads down, but listen to this. Hey, disobedience, it also affects others. Did you know that? Your disobedience doesn't just affect yourself, it affects others. You say, Pastor, where do you see that? Go back to the text, it's right here. It says Jonah gets on the boat, right, and all of a sudden, man, the Lord brings this great wind upon the sea. Man, there's this huge storm. These mariners, man, they're just sailing to their direction. They, they, didn't, they didn't know what was happening. And this mighty storm ends up coming up, threatening their life. Right, because of Jonah's disobedience, man, they, they are... Man, the ones that are facing, man, the the punishment, the effects of his disobedience. Your disobedience not only affects you, friends, it affects others, man. Hey, listen, it it, it affects your family. Your unwillingness to follow God affects your family. It affects your friends and those that are around you. Man, choosing to walk outside the will of God, man, by choosing to be willfully disobedient, it leads to a mess. Affects you. Say, Pastor, where's some other biblical precedent about that? Man, I'm glad you asked. Going through this in my quiet time, just finished the book of Exodus. You probably remember this. Moses on the mountain meeting with God. But back down below, man, you got some restless Israelites, man, wondering where Moses is, wondering where God is. Aaron, right, Moses' brother, one of the leaders there, was supposed to, man, look out for him, encourage him. They're clamoring, and Aaron says, you know what? Ah, 
you know, it has been a long time since Mo- Moses has been here. It's been a long time since we've heard from God. Hey, guys, why, why don't you go ahead and give me your jewelry? We'll go ahead and make this golden calf, and we'll just worship that instead, man. Offer sacrifice. And he knows what happens next, man. It's a mess that happens after that. And many people were affected. Listen to me, man. Disobedience is a serious thing. Serious thing. It not only affects you, but it affects others, man. So choose, man, to respond by walking in obedience to the Lord when he speaks to you. We see Jonah's obstinance here, but also we see Jonah's oblivion. He's oblivion. Go back to the text here. Look what it says. It says here, there's this great storm that's on the sea. The mariners are afraid. Man, they're shouting, crying out to their God. But look what it says, second part of verse 5. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. How? He was totally oblivious to what was happening. Fast asleep. Reminds me of uh, this, another mom story. Um, you know, I had the privilege these last couple of weeks to spend some time uh, in Uganda, where my parents are from, uh, hang out with them, see family I've never seen before, which was awesome. But had extended fa- time with, you know, my family, my mom and my two sisters. And there were several times throughout the trip where we're sitting there talking. I'm bringing up something, you know, something that happened during the day. Looking at my mom saying, hey, mom, you know, this is what happened. And my mom not even paying attention several times where that happened. And, and it finally got to a point where we're thinking, man, you know, me and my sister, man, we're adults. We're just going to ask her, man. She, you know, this has been a theme for a long time in our life, man. What, what's going on here? And so we asked. And she says, you know what? Yeah, you know, having kids, right, it, it, it taught me, you know, uh, selective hearing. I pick and choose what I want to listen to, what I want to hear. If you guys are you're bothering me at this point in time, I just I, I choose not to listen to you. And I said, man, that, that's real encouraging. I'm here trying to share my heart with you, and you just choosing to, not paying attention, choosing to be selective, right in your hearing, choosing to be willfully oblivious, right? We see here, right, that Jonah was not that at all. He was oblivious, but it wasn't selective. Here's the thing. Jonah, man, had been running far from God, and he was so tired, so exhausted, that he couldn't help but to fall asleep and stay asleep down in the deep part of the ship. Here it is. Hey, friends, running from God is exhausting. It's exhausting. Maybe you're in here and and, and you understand that. You, you may put it on, oh, man, you know, the kids have just been crazy. Well, but, but the reality is, man, it's been a long time since you've been able to sleep because, listen, the Spirit of the Lord, it keeps on prompting you to make a move and you're willfully resisting. Maybe God's calling you to lay something down and, and listen, you're, you're, you're still holding on to it and you haven't been able to rest in a while because you're running from the Lord. This wasn't willful oblivion, man. Hey, this was just the reality. Jonah was exhausted. It's exhausted. And maybe that's you here today. If that's you here, let me encourage you. Hey, the response today is to choose to let go, man. Quit your running. Hey, because here it is, Brother Rick, you'll like this. Here it is. Running from God, though running from God is exhausting, man, running to him is where you find true rest. 
Running to him is where you find true rest. Say, Pastor, where do, you find, where, where do you see that at? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus himself says it to his disciples. Hey, come to me, you man who are weary, who are tired, man, and I'll give you rest. Man, running back to the Lord, man, is where you can find rest. Quit your running from God, man. Choose to run toward him. What are you running from today? Friend in here who's choosing to be obstinate and resist the Lord, man. Hey, choose to run to him. Maybe you're here today and God's tugging on your heart to answer a call, man, but you've been obstinate, man. Hey, choose to respond. Maybe it's a call to let go, man. Choose to respond by running to him. Man, don't be like Jonah. Choose to respond in obedience. We see these two truths about Jonah, man. He was obstinate. He was also oblivious. But then, hey, we see two truths about the Lord here. If we're not careful, man, we'll miss out on. But but we see, celebrate a little bit here, man. The two truths we see about the Lord, and then I'm finished, man. Truth number one, we see in the midst of this, man, we see God's pursuing heart. We see his pursuing heart. Even in the midst of Jonah's deliberate disobedience here, man, hey, he pursued, God pursued him. You say, how? How did he do that? Listen, he sent a storm, right, to get his attention. Listen, he, he sent pagan sailors, man, that were there on that ship to wake him up. To get his attention. He sent, man, a big old fish at the end of verse 17. To gobble them up, to save them from drowning. We see God's pursuing heart here. Those of you who, who are walking in disobedience today, man, hey, the Lord is pursuing you. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And so, man, choose to turn back to Him. Choose to turn back to Him. And by the way, that's the gospel. We, we know that this is the very heart of God. Man, He pursued us even at our worst. Romans 5, 8, while we were sinners, man, Christ died for us. Pursued us, made a way for us back to him. Man, God is a pursuing God. Man, he will go to whatever lengths, man, to have us. He is jealous for us. And at the end of the day, the Lord wants us. He wants us. Yeah, there were consequences for Jonah's disobedience, but also, man, this served as served as mercy warnings for him to draw him back to the Lord, man. The Lord wants us. He wants you. And he's going to pursue you. I love that old song. I guess, it, well, it's kind of, it's a newer song, but it talks about the Lord's mercy being more. It says this, praise the Lord, man, mm. His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they may be many, but his mercy is more. Aren't you glad for the Lord's mercy today? Man, his mercy is why this storm was sent to get Jonah's attention. It's his mercy, man, sent this big old fish to gobble him up and save him, man. The Lord's mercy He's pursuing 
us. And I'm thankful for his pursuing heart. Then secondly and lastly, we see here about God. Truth about God we see here is that, man, God's name will be praised. God's name will be praised. The Lord showed me this as I was studying towards the end of the week. Go back to the the text here. Even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, we see God at work here. Go, Go back to the text. Verse 14 says this, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And so they picked up Jonah and hurled him, as Jonah requested, hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its rage. And it stopped right then and there. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. These pagan sailors in verse 5 were praising their little G-gods. And then we see here in verse 14 on down, man, they end up praising Yahweh, God, and worshiping Him. Scholars say what, what happened here in this moment is that hey, these pagan sailors came to faith. They acknowledged, man, Yahweh God is their God and worshiped Him. Even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, man, we see God's name praised here. And folks come to know Him. Why? Because, man, God's name will be praised. I'm glad Brother Ben mentioned, right, uh, uh, Luke 19, talking about the rocks crying out, right, if we don't praise Him. Here's what I've come to discover. Here's what I've come to discover, Brother Nick. A lot of times we get things confused whenever whenever it comes to praising God. A lot of us think that God is dependent upon our praise. No, he's not. He desires our praise. Man, he wants us to praise him, but he's not dependent on it. If if we choose not to praise him, the rocks are going to cry out, or others are going to praise him and follow him. Those are going to praise him. And so, here's the truth. The reality is, God doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need us. Man, but we ought to choose to follow him in obedience so we can take part in his great work. We ought to choose to praise him because he is worthy of it. Worthy of it. And so we see his name praised. See his name praised. And God do a work in bringing folks to him. Salvation belongs to the Lord. These pagan sailors outside of Israel, man, end up coming to faith on this boat. Man, his name be praised. His name's going to be praised. Listen, are you going to praise him? Are you going to praise him? Salvation belongs to him. Two takeaways this morning, and then we'll be finished today. Takeaway number one, right for us in here, man. How do we respond to this? Number one, hey, we got to choose obedience over obstinacy. Got to choose obedience over obstinance. Here's the question today. What is God calling for you to do? Maybe you're in here and your answer is, man, he's calling me to follow him. I've heard the gospel many a times, but I've chosen to do my own thing. Hey, respond and come in on. Maybe it's a, it's a call to go and share with that neighbor. Maybe it's a call to step in and serve at the church. Maybe it's a call to give. What, what is he calling for you to do today? Stop choosing obstinance. Choose obedience. 
Let me remind you, and I've said it before. Let me remind you now. Whenever we came to faith in Christ, listen, he didn't just save us from hell. He became Lord over our life now. He rules our life. And so whatever he calls for us to do, the call for us is to respond. Even if it is, man, going to a terrible place like Nineveh, going to the literal enemy, which is what Nineveh was, which, by the way, I mean, that's modern day Iraq. And so you see the parallels there, man, the people at that time. In Assyria, man, they were wicked people. Wicked people. Terrorists. I don't know how much oh. that. Yeah, I know, Siri. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> what is the Lord calling for you to do? Choose obedience over options. I love what First Samuel 15, verse 22 says. After Saul, right, uh, was caught in disobedience. Man, tried to offer some sacrifices to make things right. Oh, God, hey, I did this stuff for you. Look at Samuel says. Has the Lord given great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of Rams. The Lord desires our obedience above all else. What's he calling you to today to respond to? Choose obedience over obstinance. And then secondly and lastly, my favorite, hey, praise God for his mercy. Praise God for his mercy. That's a key theme in this book, man. Jonah experienced the mercy of God here. Yeah, he got swallowed up by a big old fish. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. Jonah chapter 2, man, we see Jonah rejoicing in, in the fish. They're getting right with God in the fish. Sometimes God sends a big fish to get our attention and to get us right. And, and we ought to praise God for his mercy in doing so. Man, praise him for his mercy. Man, that mercy that saved us. Hey, that mercy that kept us. Man, hey, whenever we wanted to go, you know, a ways that was far from God, man, and, and instead of finding ourselves in a pit, the Lord protected us. Man, we praise God for the mercy that kept us. We praise God, man, for the mercy that sustains us, that keeps us moving forward in him. Man, praise him for his mercy, man. Get excited. Get fired up. His mercy is more. And because of his mercy, we ought to praise him. Praise him. I love the, this story that I read um, around World War I time, a, a man named Robert Burns, um, who uh, ended up falling on hard times um, right after the war uh, and, uh, you know, tried to find, you know, different jobs to make ends meet and uh, got called about this one job, ended up, you know, being an illegal job, right, to rob in a store, uh, but he needed to make ends meet, so he did it and ended up getting caught. But instead of, you know, reporting to jail, he ended up running. So he ended up being a fugitive, right, in another state. And he succeeded in that state, man. Things were good. Seemed like he'd ran away from the law. But then the law ended up catching up to him. And so he ended up running again to another state. And over time, it's said that he got so tired of running 
that he willingly decided, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to surrender. And so he goes back to the state where he first was caught and ends up surrendering. And the judge, right, was so moved by his actions, he ended up choosing to acquit him because he ran home, because he went home. I say that story to say this. Many of you in here, as I mentioned earlier, man, you've been running from God for a while. And you're tired. Tired. Listen, you can run for a season. And things may end up being all right. But at the end of the day, it's going to catch up to you. Let me encourage you this morning. Hey, choose to run home. Say, where is that? It's choosing to run back to the Father. Here's the good news today. That mercy that I was talking about, hooping and hollering about, that mercy you can experience. When you choose to run back to the Father, he's willing to accept you with open arms. Choose to run back to him. Hey, choose to run to him by being obedient to what he's calling for you to do today. He's right where you left him. Choose to run back, man, by choosing to be obedient to him. Choose to run back by choosing to be obedient by letting go of whatever you're holding on to that he's calling for you to let go of. And choose to run home by being obedient.